We all like to share good news. We all like to share good news. I visited Mo and Linda Monono the morning after their child was delivered. And I asked Mo if he had told his family. Uh, you remember that they live far away in Cameroon. Of course, Mo said. Through our amazing cell phone technology, he was able to live stream video to them. They had been up all night waiting to hear the news. We all like to share good news. I mean, sometimes we even get angry because we aren't in that first group of people to hear about some important event or occasion. Why the anger? Well, we like to be in that inner circle, right? But more important, I think we all want to have the privilege of passing on the good news to other people. And if you don't get it first, people already know, right? We all like to share good news. So how is it that we can be so excited to speak about the arrival of a new baby or our upcoming summer vacation plans or our purchase of a new cell phone and so unenthused about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You ever thought about that? I mean, if we went down through the pews, I'm sure we could gather together a few reasons why that's so. But rather than focusing on our apathy to evangelism, I thought it would be interesting to examine what the characters in today's passage might teach us about the topic. I mean, they are certainly enthusiastic. So how is their understanding different? How do they conceive evangelism? What could they teach us? The angels, the shepherds, even Mary. Well, let's start with the angels. Now, angels are not common biblical characters, but they aren't uncommon either. One commentator noted that the Bible includes 26 encounters with angels after the Garden of Eden. 26 altogether, 10 in the Old Testament and 16 in the New Testament. Now, angels, you may be aware, are spiritual beings that serve God and act as God's emissaries. The Greek word for angel, angelos, is often translated messenger, one sent, envoy, or ambassador. Interestingly enough, it shares the same root as the Greek word for evangelist, euangelitas, which means messenger of good news. Angels are messengers. Evangelism is about delivering good news. We observe angels acting as evangelists in the lesson that Bernard just read for us. What did the, the angel say to the shepherds? Don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everyone worldwide. A Savior has been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and a Master. 
the angel comes to speak about a great and joyful event. The angel comes to speak about the gift of salvation. Now this, I think, is an important word that needs to be said about evangelism. Evangelism is about delivering a profoundly good message. And yet this isn't always obvious in the evangelism that we observe or encounter. I mean, I remember being visited by two door-to-door evangelists when I was working in New Brunswick. I was serving as a student minister. Uh, These two ladies had stern faces. And the message they brought me was a message of hellfire and damnation. They weren't bringing words of peace. So was that evangelism? I'm sure they thought it was. But true evangelism, the evangelism that's modeled by these angels, is about sharing good news. Good news for all people. And this isn't the only thing that the angels show us. When the angels announce their good news, they don't press the shepherds for a quick commitment. Instead, they invite the shepherds to head out on an adventure, to go and discover this Savior for themselves. This, I think, is also rather instructive. Instead of arguing with the shepherds, the angels arouse their curiosity. I mean, what could be happening? Instead of trying to prove anything to the shepherds, the angels send them off on a quest to discover the truth for themselves. The angels have a couple of good things to tell us about evangelism. It is truly good news. And at its best, it's an invitation. An invitation for someone to move ahead on their spiritual journey. That's the angels. Well, then, how about the shepherds? What could they teach us about evangelism? Before we get there, I think it's important to understand a little uh, more about these shepherds. While the shepherd is a positive image in the literature of the Bible, I mean, think of King David, and while there are often sort of cute depictions of shepherds in most nativity scenes, shepherds weren't really held in high honor in the first century. They were poor, uneducated laborers whose trade kept them away from the temple, so they weren't um, keeping up with their religious devotion. Some say that they were untrustworthy, that they had trouble distinguishing between mine and thine. A modern-day equivalent might be those seasonal workers we sometimes see that pick fruit in orchards or plant trees in the bush. I mean, if you're a shopkeeper and a van full of them unloads in front of your shop, you're probably a little more wary than usual. So what can the shepherds teach us about evangelism? Well, they make it abundantly clear that you don't have to be seminary trained or particularly religious to tell others about Jesus. We tend to think you need a master's degree in divinity and a red seal in piety to share the good news. Well, they didn't. And yet they took 
the news viral in their neighborhood. They spread the word about this child. But more than just showing us that you don't need to know how to spell eschatology or to explain the ins and outs of Trinity to speak about Jesus, they reveal that evangelism is rooted in personal experience. It's instructive that the shepherds saw Jesus themselves before they started sharing the good news about him. We are told that when they left him, they were praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. The shepherds teach us that you don't need special training to engage in evangelism, but that an encounter with Jesus is crucial. It's essential. Well, there you have it, the angels, the shepherds. But what about Mary? What about Mary? Mary, as many of you are aware, was a teenager, probably a young teenager, and obviously a new mother. While she is young, Mary is no stranger to proclaiming God's promises. If you flip back one chapter in Luke, you will find a passage called the Magnificat. It's a beautiful song that Mary sings when she encounters her cousin Elizabeth. Listen to some of these words that she she utters. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mary proclaims God's greatness, God's loving kindness, God's justice in the presence of her cousin. But in this story, in the story that Berna read for us this morning, Mary is quiet. We are told that in the middle of all the commotion of shepherds gathering around the baby, that Mary doesn't say a word. We are told she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, this might be a stretch, but I think this also helps inform our understanding of evangelism. Mary helps us recognize that there are times to be vocal and that there are times to be silent. Mary demonstrates that the one who is to be a useful messenger of good news will spend time reflecting on God's activities and purposes. I mean, I think we can agree. We need thoughtful evangelists. And we need people who are interested in proclamation to also be able to shut up and listen. Mary teaches us the value of silence. So there you have it. The angels, the shepherds, and Mary all have something valuable to teach us about evangelism. And you're thinking, Pastor Steve, why didn't you preach this at the beginning of Advent rather than at the end of the year? I mean, we all know that there's this opportunity around Christmas, right? Well, I think what we should all remember, though, is that the coming of Christ isn't just a seasonal gift. 
It's good news for each and every day of the year. I mean, just consider the different messages that we heard during Advent. First week of Advent, Jesus has conquered sin, death, and the devil. Second week of Advent, Jesus provides a model for the good life. The third Sunday of Advent, God works in partnership with us to transform our character. I mean, when you think about it, this is all good news for everyone, no matter what day of the year. No matter what day of the year. So go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Now, I put something as an insert in your bulletins. Blue piece of paper. I want you to pull it out. And this is just taking a page from the shepherds, okay? We are told that when they left, they shared, they praised God for all that they had heard and all that they had seen, okay? All that they had heard and seen. So I wonder... Think for a moment, and then write a few words down here. What is that primary experience in your life that reminds you that God is a living and present reality? What has taught you that God is real? We need a message to share, right? And the message, of course, is in the Bible, but it's corroborated by our own testimony And if we never think about what it means to us, we won't have that testimony to share. So what makes God real to you? What experience? What encounter? I'm watching you now, folks. I want you to pull out a pencil. Write something down. You can watch me too. I'm going to share with you my story 
and I just, I just wrote it down right here. But if I think of all the different experiences I've had in my life, one usually stands out, and that's um, one summer when I was probably about 13, I'd gone with a friend to a family camp, and it was it was a good experience and a bad experience, hard hard being without my family at a young age um, at that camp. But I remember late at night lying on a trampoline in the middle of the camp, Right, um, all the kids were out wandering around while their parents were sleeping, um, laying on the trampoline, staring up in the stars, and just looking at the vastness of the world. And you'd think that, in, in a way, that that would be a really alienating experience. I mean, the universe is so big, and we're so small. But for whatever reason, at that moment, I felt like I was given like a big hug, that I wasn't alone. And that God was with me. That's one of the stories that for me makes this story real. Think about your own story. And then maybe think about sharing that with someone that you care about this season. We're going to sing together that carol... Go tell it on the mountain. I invite you to turn to number 133.